You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. When you post hunting photos on Instagram, they get censored. When you post on Go Wild, you get virtual fist bumps from fellow hunters. When you buy gear on Amazon, you gas up a billionaire spaceship. When you buy gear on Go Wild, we donate to a camp that teaches kids to hunt, fish, and shoot. See the difference? Go Wild is a free social community built by hunters for hunters. Join today at DownloadGoWild.com, and I'll give you 10 bucks just for setting up your account. And you'll keep unlocking Go Wild rewards as you share content, because guess what? We like hunting pictures. Join at DownloadGoWild.com or in the App Store. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. The Southern Ground Hunting Podcast is brought to you by Spartan Forge. It's forged in combat and tailored for hunters. Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that save the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You can start your free 14-day trial today by visiting SpartanForge.ai and you can use the code SOUTHERNGROUND, that's all lowercase, all one word, SOUTHERNGROUND at checkout, and that'll get you 25% off of your purchase. If you're wanting to know more about saddle hunting, well check out TetheredNation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you'd like to support the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, you can visit patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting, or you can click on the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. We offer two different tiers for our patrons that offer a solid list of benefits. We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting. And now, let's get to the show. Well, Matthew, I don't know about you, man, but... Uh, well, you you've actually gotten to sleep in this week a little bit, probably compared yeah, a few to, a few mornings. Yeah, yeah, compared to what uh, you were doing last week. But I, on the other hand, have been up now for a lot a lot of hours. <laughs> I I got all my grinding done while you were you were doing the honey dudes. Yeah, man, dude, you had a you had a killer week last week. I'm uh. I'm excited it, to hear more about it. We we can break it down. It was my my best week by far in the deer woods. If y'all don't know Matthew Reeves, uh, we had him on our creator series last winter. Um, me and Matt did a hunt together, um, a bonus buck hunt. Both of us were tagged out, and uh, Matt got more tagged out on that hunt, <laughs> and. I just stayed regular tagged out. Just I stayed, you know, um, poor man tagged out. But you, rich man tagged out, got that extra buck, dude. What the heck, man? Like last year, last year was a really good year for you, and then you just come out swinging this year. Well, you you said it uh, in some of your previous podcasts. You know, you have a successful year the last year, and you wonder if you can repeat that again. And then you start to doubt yourself, the doubt sinks in. And I'm not going to say doubt didn't sink in with me even this early in the season, but it sure did. You know, you a lot of sits, don't see many deer, and then all of a sudden it just turns on for you. And uh, it looks like it's just easy, but it's it's really not. <laughs> yeah, everybody thinks it's easy. <laughs> everybody thinks you're going out there making it look easy, and it's like, no, you ain't seen the five days where I've been out here grinding straight, you know, and like, Dude, I've been doing two thirty, two thirty wake ups because I don't want to be late right now. Like I've I have prepared my mind, prepared my heart, prepared my wife for zombie Parker. Like this is we're in that time of the season. But you you mentioned something, Matt, that I thought was interesting. Um, 
this early you said this early in the season uh and and I have to keep reminding myself that it's this early in the season and with social media and the fact that I mean me and you both you know I'm sure you have a lot of friends on Facebook who just added you because you showed up and recommended friends and they're in Kansas or Missouri or wherever and for them this is late in the season you know and so it's hard to remind yourself that we're in Alabama and our season hadn't really kicked in yet like November has pretty much been everybody else's October you know what I mean right and and usually in seasons past um November is a dead month for me I can usually count my early season get a couple bow hunts but when gun season kicks in I usually just you know sit at the house try to do some scouting but nothing nothing's on fire but I kind of changed where I was hunting up this year to uh, capitalize, you know, a little earlier in the season or try to at least. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like like you said, you you get this um, I don't know look that everybody else is killing deer except for you, uh, and, and I mean you you see that on Alabama deer hunters page, yeah, y- y- anywhere. You know, you feel like you're the one left out, but there's you know thousands of other people over here that haven't even seen a deer, yeah, uh, much less kill one. So. Yeah. It's a it's a pretty neat way to look at stuff and just can just mess with your head big time. So you kill both of these bucks on public land, um, and one of the I guess we should say that you killed two bucks last week. Um, great deer, like really good representations of Alabama whitetail deer, like really solid deer. One of them, if I'm not mistaken, is your personal best ever, right? Yeah, yeah. The second second bucket shot was my my best buck ever private public land anything so that was that was awesome that's so cool i've said it a lot man and i'm sure you're tired of hearing me saying it uh but you're super consistent dude like you're you're literally one of my favorite people that post videos on youtube um for a couple different reasons but number one you're extremely consistent you kill deer like it's going out of style uh we have similar uh similar mindsets when it comes to scenario based hunting like we go out to kill big bucks and most of the time we're going to try i mean that's what we're out there to try to do but if the scenario is right uh we don't have a problem shooting a a dink to make the to make the memory you know that that's right and uh, i've i've followed you from your uh i guess you'd say growth as a hunter you know going from we would we would both shoot whatever we want to. Now you're just putting down dang slammers, you know, every year. Um, but I, I kind of told myself that this year. I was like, look, I gotta, I gotta hold back just a little bit. <laughs> I mean, you can you can go back and look at some of my videos on my channel, and you know, there's some there's some small bucks on there. But you know, not to say I'm not proud of them. I worked hard for them, um, and I uh, continue to work hard for these bigger deer as well. Maybe just a little harder. Everything's a progression, though. I mean. You got to progress, and and the way I saw it for me was, you know, I and I still have scenarios, dude. I'm telling you right now, you can mark my words, Matt. My dad's coming into town tomorrow, and if we go out there and we just happen to be sitting together, and he shoots a spot, which he's gonna be shooting whatever buck he sees. He like, and I'd be pissed if he didn't. Like, I want him to shoot any buck. He lives in Texas where they have all these strict rules. You know, he doesn't get to shoot a lot of deer out there. Yeah, and uh, he gets to come out here and do the public land, public land thing, and he shoots whatever deer, whatever deer he sees. I I want him to shoot, and so um, that's great. If we're out there and we happen to be out there together, and two like spikes come out, dude, I will waste a buck tag on a spike for that memory. Go, that's that's great. And it has nothing to do. It's not a it's not an ego thing. It's not like oh, I no. gotta kill it, you know. I don't want to kill Spike, but for that memory, bro, I'd be down. Like, you, you just you, – you, there's scenarios like that, right? You, you, it, that's You're exactly right. And I, I, I've hunted with some buddies, you know, and we're like, hey, if, if, if it's brown, it's down. You know, you hear that saying all the time. And it gets old. It can be pretty corny. But I don't know. When you're with a, your dad or a good friend, it's more about the adventure rather than the accomplishment of killing a big deer. Yeah, if you kill a big deer, it's icing on the cake, you know. But if you can just have a story and a memory to put with that person for the rest of your life, that's what really holds tight to me. Yeah, I love it, man. But but the other thing that I was going to say about you is that, um, you know, you, you 
you're just consistent. Like you're going out there and and you're constantly working hard. You're creating excellent videos, um, genuine. I, I've said this before about my buddy Catman. You know, Jonathan. He um, he doesn't do any kind of fancy editing or anything like that. He's just the Catman that you see on his videos is the Catman that you meet in real life. You know, like he's just the right. same. And I really appreciate people like that who are who are the same way. You know, they don't have to. They're not trying to be, you know, the next Steve Ranella or the next um, Bill Bill Jordan. They're trying to be who yeah. they are. You know, and I love <laughs> it. I love that stuff. Um, but so uh, another announcement, I guess. I finally killed an Alabama buck this morning. <laughs> it's taken me. Did. It's taken me long enough this season. I'm dang self employed. Don't have a boss. I can work or hunt as much as I feel like going, and it has taken a long time to get an Alabama buck on the ground. But we finally got it done today. Um, hey, he was a nice one. From, yeah, from what I saw in the yeah. pictures you posted, <laughs> pretty awesome. Got a pretty pretty cool story to go with it too. So yeah, that's, we were talking about it, it. Talking about it earlier. We we're good at taking pictures. I um, sometimes sometimes pictures make a deer look smaller than it is, and then sometimes. Like, deer like this, like the deer that I killed, like, he's just big enough to look big in some pictures, and yeah, it was hard the, for the me G2s to... The G2s go from, the G2s go from six inches to, you know, 10 or 12, <laughs> yeah. you know, just crazy mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, and you start using, like, wide-angle lenses and stuff like that, and it's like, it, it just makes them look huge. And he's not huge, but he's, he's a fine deer for what I was trying to kill. But, um, we were talking this morning... Uh, and I, I had already told you like, Hey, let's do a podcast this week. Um, I want to talk about your week, but, um, as we were talking this morning about, uh, I was telling you my story, um, about hunting this thermal hub, which is something that, uh, and, and you don't feel bad that you, you, cause you were kind of like, I don't even know what that really is. Um, yeah. but as I watched one of your videos, it looked very much like a thermal hub type setup, which can be really good for this time of the season. But that you're not the only person. Like literally every person I've told, uh, hey, I you know they asked me the story. I say you know I, he was cruising this thermal hub, um, and they're like, I don't know what that is. What does that even mean? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've I've heard the term and I've tried to dissect it. Like I've told you, I can with my job, I can read a map and know. The topo map and how everything lies saddles benches ridges whatever um but when it comes to where this thermal hub is you know I, i've hunted them all my life um but didn't really know that's what it was uh-huh. uh, so that, that was pretty neat to clarify that and you know pinpoint that a little more be able to put a name with a you know an object i think a lot of people hear other people talk about it and they don't really know necessarily what it is why is why is a deer there? How should I hunt it? That's the that's the number one thing I hear from people is how do you even hunt a thermal hub? The people who do know what it is because it sounds kind of dangerous. Um, yeah, yeah, and I think I think people overcomplicate it. Uh, they sure overexplain they it uh, to where you're like, well, heck, where is this little magical hole in the in the mountains? You yeah. know, um, <laughs> the magical hole in the mountains. It's pretty simple uh, when when you just cut dry and just say what it is. Yeah. So here here's I mean everybody kind of knows what a hubcap is, right? You you have on think of a bicycle. You have your hub and you have the spokes that come out of it. Now think of that as think of those spokes as points coming down off of ridges. Now what in a little bit of research I have never hunted like a high thermal hub. Um, and I, I can't really explain that one nearly as good. And I've, it would basically be like where the top of the ridge is what, um, splits off and goes a whole bunch of different directions. Um, which I I guess I could see that working the same way out here though. I typically don't find bucks, uh, on ridge tops unless they're just, they are just pushing a doe over them or maybe they're bedding you know, close to the top of a ridge or something like that. Uh, but I don't find many of them, like, cruising ridgetops. In Kentucky, it's the opposite. Uh, they're all over the ridgetops. But 
So for the just the purposes of this podcast, we're going to kind of talk about what I think would be the most valuable for hunters in the southeast, which would be those uh, low thermal hubs where you would have think of almost like a uh, and and I'm not talking to you, Matt. I'm talking to listeners. Um, just trying to set it up yeah. as good as I can. Think of like a bowl, right? Um, everybody's kind of seen a bowl in a map where you just have like a, a hole pretty much. Now think of a bunch of different points dumping down into that bottom, right? So, uh, or, or you have maybe four or five different ridges that are all converging into this one spot and it creates, it doesn't necessarily, that wouldn't necessarily create a bowl, but it would create, um, in the bottom right there, you would have several different creek systems and drainages that go up. And and that's kind of how I would describe a thermal hub the best way that I can. So oh, that was, that was good. So we know this, right? We know that th- this is elementary rut hunting, I would say, in hill country, that a lot of times bucks are going to cruise the top, let's just say the top third of a ridge because that's where they, the, of the leeward side of a ridge, because the wind comes over the top of it, the thermals come up from the bottom, and this would be assuming that it's after the thermals start rising, so you get midday movement in these type of areas. You get that uh, like nine o'clock, nine thirty type movement in these type of areas because that's when the thermals, the sun starts hitting that bottom, heating up the air, and it starts rising. And so the 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 wind coming over the top and the thermals rising from the bottom create a a tunnel basically that these deer can walk through and they can scent check what's above them and what's below them. They can they can scent check for does or whatever. Um, typically I find, and this is where in your video, I, I kind of put it together that it looked like a thermal hub because there was a scrape down in the bottom, right? That's kind of what you were hunting that that deer was going down yeah. to. Um, yeah. which, which I was, I was, and I was sitting in the bottom. So yeah. Yep. And, and that, and that's really a lot of times, man, as much as you don't want to, a lot of times that's where you have to sit is down in that bottom. And rifle hunting, it's actually pretty great. Um mm-hmm. because even if your even if your wind does get to them, a lot of times you're able to get a shot off before either before they get to that where your thermals are rising um or falling. Um so you you were hunting over this scrape that was down in the bottom. Um we know that at in the dark when it's when the thermals are falling that these deer are going to make all their nighttime sign down in those, the bottom of the thermal hubs. Uh, And this is something that I was thinking about today, thinking about your deer and thinking about my deer where I was at, there were rubs and scrapes all over this bottom. Um, And I was thinking, well, yeah, because at night they cruise at night too, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, they cruise at night the same way as they cruise in the daytime. But when we see them in the daytime, the thermals are rising. So they're up on the top and they're cruising right. down low right. and making all that sign. So kind of explain, explain the way that your, your spot where you killed these two big bucks is the same spot, right? Is the exact same spot. Well, so I, no, I, the, the first buck was at the front of it. And then the, the big, the biggest deer, I was up towards the back on another ridge that was buttoned up to the old cutover. Um, but well, what's funny is we talk about the sign and scrapes and I try to take a new perspective to scrapes this year to not hunt over them. I just told myself I was not going to hunt over them because I don't kill deer off scrapes. I, I just, I don't have good luck with it. So now, a lot of people say in the South, um, I, uh, I actually talked to Jamie McKay, who is a pretty highly respected deer hunter around here. Um, first time I ever talked to him on a podcast, I think it was the first podcast he'd ever done. Um, and I said, I said, so let me ask you this, Jamie, do you hunt over scrapes? He said, no. And I said, why? And he said, well, if you hunt over as many scrapes and never killed a deer on one as I have, then you'd probably stop hunting them too. 
<laughs> I you, mean, you change it up. Yeah. And, and you know, as, as tempting as they are, you, uh, you know, a buck was there. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to want to hunt it, but just to go back, uh, I map scouted this place and I walked into it blind with a buddy of mine and we were up on a little saddle and I said, I said, there's going to be a scrape down there. Um, on on one of these ridges flats there's going to be a scrape somewhere down there and sure enough we went down there there's dogwood tree big old scrape i mean just had been done that morning we went in a little later to be able to see so we get done with the hunt whatever i was like well i'm gonna put a camera on it i had one on it just old tasco put it on there didn't think nothing about it just was going to leave it wasn't even going to come back in there that year was just going to learn it for next year i'll come back i think i decided to go in there like two Two days later on the evening, I checked the camera, and there's five different bucks hitting this scrape in the daytime. I mean, every day there's been a buck at 930, 830, 10 hitting these scrapes, uh, or this one scrape. So I, I told myself, well, you know, I need to be in here. So then that then turned into me going in um, the first, that, that Wednesday morning. Uh, I think it was the – for me, it was the coldest morning I've been able to hunt. I think it got down to 27. So, I, you know, I had – pretty high confidence that one of those bucks that had been daylight and was going to daylight again and uh sure enough a buck that i'd never had pictures of uh came down off the hill and i, I was able to shoot him uh, you can see in the video but what what it was is there there ended up being a hot dough in there at the time and these these bucks had just gone crazy every one of them was peeing scrapes i mean i had on video mode some really cool stuff um had had another big buck come through that first morning chasing does uh, coming off the ridge down down in there but that the buck I shot came off the ridge like you were said just cruising to where he could get that get that scent with the wind and the thermals pulling to where it hit him wherever he was and he could, he could know what was in there and uh, I was able to shoot him before he knew I was in there so when you uh you said he came and it looks like in the video that he came pretty quickly down that hill um had there already been a doe come through or there had well well i I was the doe um oh, okay I had sprayed a bunch of doe pee on my boots and I, I that's the way i walked in i walked in off the top of that hill and came down now they're they're in the video you'll see a spike he goes up walks right under the scrape and walks right up where that buck came from so when i heard another heard a deer coming it was like right after that spike i thought it was a spike again but it wasn't, it was this buck. Um, and all, all I saw was one side and I said, that's good enough. Uh, <laughs> if you have a spike, if you have a spike on the other side, I'm, I'm still going to shoot you. Um, but didn't have much time to make that decision. So let me, let me explain this to you too, uh, or not explain anything to you, but just kind of tell you how my hunt went this morning. Um, very similar type thing. Uh, he was just going to, cruise the this hub and just go all the way around it you could tell exactly what he was going to do and and actually in the video i like an hour before i shot the deer um i guess a backstory i've hunted over the past like six years i've probably hunted this spot four times and i've never seen a single deer in this area um i sent you the picture matt of the the mud where i parked the kayak at and you would Unreal. think you would think that there is no way that you could go into that area and not see twenty deer, if you saw the amount. I mean, it is tracks on top of tracks on top of tracks. It looks like hogs. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's the most I've ever seen at one time in one spot. And so it was really a burner spot. You know, the wind was supposed to kind of do a one eighty degree turn um, between like six and nine this morning so it was pretty much the worst timing ever for a big huge wind shift and so I was like well I don't want to go in any of my good areas because I don't want to burn you know I don't want to take a chance of educating anything so I'll go into this spot I always see tracks here I don't ever see deer there but I've also never hunted it deer in the rut so I'll just go and try it it's kind of a burner and and also the other thing with the thermal hub is you're going to be kind of screwed on your wind no matter what, when you hunt one of those, you're, you're really taking a chance unless you just have a really, really strong wind. But in that case, I don't feel like the thermals, I don't feel like the thermal hub works if the wind overpowers the thermals. Correct. And so, 
like literally an hour before I killed this deer. I said, okay, here's why I'm sitting here. Here's why I'm set up. These All these points are coming down, dumping down into this one bottom. And I can, I'm sitting right in the middle where they all come down. There's scrapes and rubs here. So I know these deer are using this as a thermal hub at nighttime because they're making all their sign right here. Um, up at the tops, similar to what your area is, and, and we can explain that here in just a minute. I'll let you run over that. Up at the top, though, there's a, a hard a hard shift in vegetation, and there's uh, like three different age pine thickets in there. Um, and you can see it clearly from the map. Uh, Spartan Forge shows it really, really clearly. Um, because, I mean, all the, the way Spartan Forge is, it's the wintertime imagery the leaf off imagery and so you can see all those different habitat types <coughs> so um at the tops on the points of this it's a really steep hub too on all the points there's bluffs so there's rock bluffs and but on the on the furthest uh i guess it'd be the furthest west east no west um point that's more of a gradual slope coming down and I said, I'm setting up looking directly at this one because I feel like a deer would come down off of that gradual slope and then to cruise, he would turn and go underneath the bluff so that he can walk that under underneath side of the bluff the whole way around this this bowl, this hub. And, uh, and not an hour later, a deer comes running right down there. But what I did... He was just going to cruise, and I would have probably still got a shot, but it would have been a little bit further away, and he was about to go into a thicker area, so it was going to be kind of an awkward shot. So I grunted one time just really quick, and he stopped and hightailed it down to me. Um, he was coming at me. And so <coughs> I shot him, and uh, that was that was that. But it worked out very similar I think a lot of times what they do in these areas like this is they're going to just cruise it unless they smell something or hear something or see something of interest, right? Like that's why they're there. They're there to find, to find something, to find a doe or to pick a fight. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so in my case, yep. he was, he was coming to try to pick a fight. <clears throat> right. And that, and that was the, my case with both my deer. If you, if you looked at him after that, I mean, they had scars all over them. Uh, the last year I killed the biggest one, he had a broke, he broke his back leg fighting and had a broke off brow tine. And then both of them had white powder substance on their horns. I'd never seen anything like it, but I, from all I can see is it just from them, you know, locking up with another buck. Um, it was they do, pretty neat. Like they do said, cocaine man, up never there. Never seen that before. Look, <laughs> I, I was afraid I may need to get out of there pretty quick. <laughs> They found a they found a cocaine stash somewhere. That's why they were running around like madmen, <laughs> all hours yeah. of the day. I, they were high on coke. All of them kept coming, <laughs> kept telling all their friends. <laughs> hey, there's a bag of coke over there. Y'all need to go snort some of that. Um, but it's it is a it has become a. I, so I hunted another one. I don't typically hunt these spots. If I'm being honest, like. It's not ever something on the map that I really look at and say, "Hey, I'm going to go hunt this thermal hub." Like I'm not, I'm not scouting for those or anything like that. But a lot of times, I end up finding one kind of on accident. The reason why I went to this area in the first place years ago was because of the hard transition lines up at the top of those ridges. And and while that's great to me, that tells me, yeah, there's probably going to be deer traveling around here. Uh, because of the habitat yep, diversity. Close. Um, yeah, but those those hubs like that, I mean, I wasn't hunting on any type of hard edge like I talk about so much, you know. Um, I, it was, I'm not going to say it was open hardwoods, but it was fairly open, a few little thickets within the within that bowl, but for the most part, it was it was pretty wide open. And it seems like for your, where you were at, um, sets up real similar at the, at the tops, there was some, really good transitions of habitat yeah they're uh you know it had its bit of pretty woods and then it's thickets you know as well 
Um, basically, it was surrounded by an entire thicket, except for one side. And, um, you know, I, I told myself, you know, I, I guess maybe five years ago that I was not going to hunt pretty woods anymore um, because that's where everybody set up. I tried to walk through ugly stuff to find it, but the first book I pretty much set up in pretty woods um, up next to the, the top transition. There's a pine thicket on the top and then natural regeneration to all my other sides. Um, so it was a natural, natural thicket for these deer to walk in, but it wasn't, it wasn't too thick. It was, you know, a lot of times I'll see these pine thickets that are just like dog hair thick, rabbit hunting. And some people say they think bucks will live in there. Some people just say there's just does there. But this one, it was like, it had some openings in it. And I just feel like a buck can, you know, he can kind of do, he can chase easier in there. He can do his deal. And that's what I came to find, find out on the second deer I, I shot. I went there the morning before. It was a, a high wind morning. Um, I sat there and a buck grunted 75 yards in front of me in that thicket. I couldn't see him, but he was cruising in that thicket right there using that and the thermal hub as well because I was sta- I was sitting on a ridge. Uh, so he was just making a big loop all, all around me all morning, um, which then the next day I was like, well, I'm going to get a little bit closer to the thicket. I ended up doing it. And that the, the big buck I shot came up from the bowl. He, he walked right down the middle of the bowl and then came up to the ridge, go into that thicket to either check for more does or go in there to bed. Um, it could have been, you know, both both for him. But it was, it was it was pretty neat because I didn't expect him to come out from there because I'm not used to hunting, you know, a thermal hub during the rut. You know, I, I tend to stay away from them, just kind of like you said. But it was neat to now add that tool to my bag. Um, what time did you shoot used. that buck? The second one. I shot him at seven fifteen. So, and what time did you shoot the first one? Nine thirty. All right. So, let's talk about this, okay? Uh, and I thought I thought you had told me you shot him at seven fifteen. At seven fifteen, in hill country and big tall woods like this, a lot of times at seven fifteen the sun has not come up quite over, and so your thermals are still pulling down. And so you mm-hmm. caught a buck, what it sounds to me like, and I'm not making, like, this is literally just for helping people understand how these work. I, I know we're... Early this, in the this, morning... This gets weird. Early in the morning, your thermals are going to be pulling, and so they're going to use the lower part. If a buck happens to be cruising through there early in the morning, he's still going to be down low like he would be at night because thermals are still pulling. So he's still getting the advantage. It's just going to be down low if that makes sense and and so that's why that's what you said i didn't expect him to come from there um and it's it's a giant it's a giant puzzle thermals to me are one of the funnest and most frustrating things involved in deer hunting like yeah without a doubt i look back on i look back on so many hunts now and i'm like well why that let me because my thermals were dropping you know, or, or, you know, evening hunts. That's when I got busted the most is because my thermals were dropping. I didn't know how to manage that. But back to that, that deer with how we were talking with, you know, the, you'll see in the video, the sun is not up, you know, it's still kind of, you know, hazy. Um, but my thermals indeed are dropping and my, I had a south wind. So it was hitting me the way I was facing. It was hitting me in the face. So that, that buck was using, you know, like you said, he was running that middle line between both, you know, wind check areas. And you can set up in those type of places that are, like today I was set up in a, in a way where uh, the creeks are great because water pulls thermals and it also pushes thermals the best, right? Once that water heats up, it starts, yeah. it starts pushing a little bit harder. And... I was, from where this buck was at, I shot him at 9 o'clock, so thermals were already already starting to rise. But the wind direction was in my face, and I was on the other side of a creek from where this buck was at. So even though the thermals were rising, my therm- the water was pushing, the creek was pushing me back up the opposite side, so behind me. 
right. because I was on just the just the I was in the bottom, but just the tiniest where it starts sloping up behind me. So the wind's in my face, and the thermals are pulling in my face. Now he was probably smelling from that creek on. The thermals were rising up that way, but it was almost creating like a like a split, right yep, from that exactly. creek system. That's- so there's the puzzle piece, right? When people talk about, well, how do you even set up in a thermal hub? And a lot of times in the hill country, you just can't because wind is going to swirl. It's, just, it's a guess. You're you're literally just guessing. But today we didn't have really high winds, so I didn't figure it was going to swirl too bad. Um, but once that sun came out, I definitely felt it. I mean, and you can really you can you can hear when the thermals start rising again. The the woods just come alive. Birds. Start chirping more, squirrels start doing their barking more, and, and you can almost tell the exact moment that it happens, um, because the woods just erupt with noise all of a sudden, and um, and a lot of times you'll you'll catch those bucks doing just what your first buck did, where he was just cruising the top, smelled your uh, doe, um, doe and heat or whatever you had on your boots and. Decided he wanted to go over and see what that was all about. <coughs> yeah, it, he was, uh, yeah, I could tell he was curious, you know, how he was, he put his head down, he mm-hmm. stopped, smell, then go, go back to his, his regular thing. Um, but they, you know, and then when you find a rutting deer, it's just, it's just different. Mm-hmm. They act different. Do you will never see again, you know, or coming out of the woodworks. I mean that the second bug I killed, he snort wheezed. I've never heard a deer snort wheeze in Alabama. Yeah, uh, that's just, you know, I don't know. You don't find what we hear the stories of rutting deer, the sweet November, and all all that. You know, ours is usually January, February, but where I was, you know, we you can chase the rut in Alabama, whatever. I I noticed a big difference in hunting in Kentucky with the vocalizations of deer. Um, our buddy Hunter Lindsay, his first day in the tree in uh, in Kentucky, he had a pretty nice buck snort wheeze at a doe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and that was that was pretty cool, you know. And we go to Kentucky, and guys in our camp are like, "Oh my gosh, I just heard buck." We had a group text. People were like, "I heard buck roar." It's like bucks roar. I didn't even know they had a roar. Yeah. I didn't know they had a roarer. Um, I, I heard more. I heard more grunts last week than I have probably uh-huh. my whole hunting career. I mean, they just just hot, just bet, bet, bet. You know, every step. You know, like I hear stories. You know, of people in at Terra Wildlife in Vicksburg, Mississippi. My dad goes there and he talks about how the bucks when they're on a doe, they're grunting every step. Uh-huh. You know, just hot, hot on the hills. It's pretty cool whenever you get to see deer act like deer. I I've. I've enjoyed it, you know, this past week for me, um, I, I've seen a bunch of deer, young bucks over here starting to chase pretty hard, and, uh, I've seen first day, uh, Sunday morning I saw 13, Monday morning I saw, and this is, when I say morning, I mean like from daylight till 12 o'clock or 1, um, Mm -hmm. Monday morning I saw 10. And yesterday morning I saw six, and then this morning I just saw one. But he was doing the right thing. He was he was the right deer that I wanted to shoot, and he was doing what I wanted him to do. Um, one one is all you need. Yep, that's right. It's uh, it's it's just interesting though. I, I think a lot of people probably are going to listen to this and kind of look back and say, "Oh, okay, you know, I get why that worked, or I get why maybe I got busted and my wind was supposed to be right." Um, I will say, right. and, go ahead. And, and I, well, I was just going to say, I think you've done a good job simplifying what therm, you know, the basics of a thermals rising, dropping sun, sunrises, sunsets, and then just what it looks like on a map. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like I said, we get caught up trying to over overthink a map or overthink a strategy. Just just simplify it. Go hunting. Say, hey, this is what I think it is. And you stick to what you think it is until somebody tells you otherwise. Sure, and and the um, the, the the best way I know how to simplify it is uh, find those habitat diversities. We talked about that. I talked about it in last week's episode with uh, uh, Ben Harrison and Matt Powell. I talk about it all the time. 
finding those hard line transitions, that's a good starting point, right? Because those are easy things to find on a map. But then you start putting together these terrain features and understanding how bucks use, how does a buck use a saddle? How does a buck use a bench? Um, how does that line up with these hard edges? Uh, you know, things like um, bluffs, like I talked about earlier. I just assumed because it makes sense. It's like it's like common sense, right? Like if we, if you and I were going to go for a walk on a mountain, we're probably not going to walk right on the edge of that bluff. We're probably going to try to get underneath the bluff so that we can walk a little bit easier and not fall down to our death um, off of that bluff wall. Yep. <laughs> and deer are going to do the same thing. They don't want they don't want to walk the edge of a bluff like that if they don't have to. They're going to get down right underneath it, which it basically most of the time underneath a bluff makes a bench, right? Um, yeah. There's a flat area right there, and so they can just kind of walk through that way. But there's there's so many different things that can line up, and a lot of it's common sense. The thing that's not, the thing that really is a little bit confusing is thermals. And I know it's trendy, uh, and I don't know if you use this. I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you don't, but I could be wrong. Do do you drop milkweed? I have redneck milkweed. Okay. Cotton? Oh, no, it's a, it's a plant that grows in a cutover that's you, – you'll see it early uh, fall. Uh, it's really a white substance in the south. It, I mean – I've never found a milkweed plant before. I don't go up there, and I'm not going to buy it. Um, but, yeah. I, I, hey, Tennessee, about, bro. Uh, yeah, Tennessee has got a lot of there it. A little bit. Just, I got to I gotta find it. But I, I like I like dropping it. I like seeing what's going on. Um, I've learned a lot with it this year. I'm, I'm almost out of it, actually. I need to get some more. But, uh, yeah, I, I use it. So that that's one thing that's really taught me a lot. And, and it's trendy, and people talk about it like it's – you know, best thing in deer hunting, but it really does help you visualize like what, what your thermals are doing. Um, like powder and that kind of stuff won't, you won't get the full visualization of what your wind is doing. And you can literally watch it, um, like float to a water source and just hover above that water source. Or it'll, if your thermals are pulling, down like in the evening or early in the morning or a cloudy day you'll watch it just go straight to that water and then just drop right in the water if your thermals are rising you'll see it it'll it'll go down with your wind and then once it hits where the thermals are are rising at it'll just kind of just sit there for a minute and then it may go the opposite direction from you it's it's a it's a cool illustration for people to be able to see what their scent is actually doing in there um yeah i mean i i used to think you know, I had to have the wind blow it, blow, blowing, you know, to blow my scent. Well, no, where where does your scent go when the wind's not blowing? Well, it's doing whatever the thermals are doing at the time, mm-hmm. um, which is which is pretty neat. You know, it could be dropping straight to your stand and just spreading out from there. It could be going every which way. And even on, like, talk, going back to thermal hubs, um, even on, like, a, a, a low to moderate wind, uh like miles per hour or whatever wind strength um a lot of times those big ridges like that in and in, in the hills like where we're hunting at it's going to block a lot of that wind so your thermals will still be at play only in these hubs the only time i find that your thermals are not in play is when the wind is just insane you know really strong winds and uh and even though your thermals might not be in play that wind is going to roll down into those hubs, and they're just going to just swirl like crazy. And so, you know, it's still it's still an advantage for a deer to be in those areas because they're still catching wind swirling, you know, all around. And yeah. I think a lot of times too, I'll see they, they'll bed off of those points um, because of that. You know, they get the they get thermals are playing. If the wind's strong, it just always offers an advantage for them. And uh, for a gun hunter, dude, they're awesome. I am, I am figuring this out too. Uh, you know, I'm talking about it like I've been hunting them for 20 years and I haven't. But um, I'm I'm really trying to learn everything I can about them because they seem to be 
pretty productive right now, this time of year. Right. Yeah, I, I used to steer away from them because I used to just strictly bow hunt. Um, so, I mean, for them to run, you know, they've got four or five ridges they could possibly run down. You know, you that's hard to cover with a bow. I mean, yeah. it's possible. But, uh, you know, my buddy Clayton Bond gun, killed a big, a big buck in Kentucky this year in a thermal hub with really? a bow. Yeah. Yep. He sure did. And. And I think they can still work, but you're just, they're hard to hunt. <laughs> you know, they're yeah. really tough to hunt with a bow, but you can definitely do and it. And I've, you know, I've had the deer skirt me at 80 yards and wish I had my gun during gun season, but I had my bow. Um, but now I've got the rifle in my hands now most most of the time during gun season. It. I mean, that's what I was telling. Uh, I have uh, a friend coming to hunt with me this weekend, um, and he's not from the south. And uh, we were just kind of having a little conversation about gun hunting and versus bow hunting and all this stuff. I said, you know, it's like in in Alabama, our gun season literally runs. You can hunt with a rifle in Alabama from in some zones, uh, November, the, the first weekend in November. So this weekend, this year it was the 6th. I think last year it was November 1st. All the way through February the 10th, you can have a gun in your hand long time and so guys out here you know people like you and i we were just raised rifle hunting because that's what that's what you did you had so much time to rifle hunt that's just what you did if you wanted to get an extra month in you picked up a bow and you'd hunt with a bow for a month and then you'd you know once rifle season opened up that was that was the real opening day right um Mm -hmm. but guys you know in other states like even like Kentucky, uh, Nebraska, Iowa, Michigan, Pennsylvania, they just have like weeks of gun season. You know, it's not even a month most of the time. They've got a couple weeks to gun hunt, and then it's back to bow. So if you want to hunt, right. you have to hunt with a bow. If you want to hunt the rut in most of these states, you have to do it with a bow. So that's how they're raised. You know, it's all. So you're all. You're only a product of what how you're raised, and so I think I love. I love guys like Aaron Warbritton, uh, Zach Farrenball, the guys from Hunting Public. Um, they're they're a higher profile than creators like you and I, and they're uh, they're making gun hunting great again. You know, they're highlighting truly they what their what their vision is is to represent the the hunting public, the the general population mm-hmm. of deer hunters, and. Uh, I love that they'll they'll pick up a rifle, even though they're from Iowa and Missouri and those states like that. But when it's gun season, man, they will pick up a gun, and I love it because I think a lot of us, you can see it all over social media where guys will kill a deer with a rifle and they won't put the picture of the right, they won't put the rifle in the in the picture, you know. Yeah, and yeah, I, I used to be, I I used to be that guy. Oh, you killed it with that? That's easy. Killed it with a rifle, you know. Go shoot it with a bow. Well, nah, not <laughs> not anymore. No, it's fun. Uh, it's, it's just fun. It, yeah, it is. Just go out there and <laughs> shoot something. Yeah, and it's still hard. Like, let's be honest. Oh, it's still hard. It is very hard. I've been I've been busting very my hard. butt it's, the last four days. You know, straight <laughs> since I started. You know, with my gun season, and it, I mean, it's still hard to kill one with a rifle. Yeah, it's, it's not you, easy. You just you just can't go sit up the, sit up, see two hundred yards every which away and shoot a deer. You know, no, nah, dude, I don't even sight my I sight my gun at fifty yards. <laughs> like that's about where I'm at. Shit. The two deer I shot, they were I think seventy yards was the furthest. Yep, which was the first one. I find that most deer that I shoot with a with a gun. I could have probably shot with a bow, just because of the type mm-hmm. areas that I hunt. But yep, that's the uh, the bonus buck last year. Uh, where we went, he's at ten yards. Yeah, I mean it's just, that's how we hunt, you mm-hmm. know. And that, I think that's where the deer live uh, in those tight tight quarters. It's fun though because all the all of the unknowns. You know, when you shoot a deer with a bow, the hunt just started. You know. When you when you shoot him with your bow, unless you see him drop, there's all kinds of thoughts. Well, I hope I hit him good, man. I hope whatever. You shoot him with a rifle and they drop right there, and you can just start celebrating in the tree, man. There ain't nothing like it. It's fun. 
saying. I I have a different thought on that. I, I feel I'm more confident shooting with my bow because I have my footage to look back on where my luminot hit him and I know where I hit him. Yeah. Well, the the, the second buck I shot, um, I had no idea where I hit this deer. I shot at him <laughs> twice. I didn't even know if I hit him. I was, you know, biggest bug I've ever shot. I'm stressed out. Did I kill the thing? And I I don't know. I looked back at the footage. I couldn't tell where I hit him. Um, but it ended up going in my favor. So, yeah, that's just the anticipation of getting down and going and finding them. Yep, that's true. Well, man, I won't take up too much of your time. I've at this point, I've been up for 20, 21 hours. I'm tired. I'm going to sleep in tomorrow. Dad's coming into town. We're going to start rutcation and we're going to get back to it on Friday. But tomorrow is uh, try to get some recharge. Rest up and get ready for a full week with your dad. Yep. Yep. And then the next two weeks are going to be full. <laughs> They're going to be. <laughs> it, it keeps going. We got till February 10th. I know. It kind of like I'm, I, I want to not work myself to death, but. At the same time, like there ain't nothing like being tagged out early. I love it. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it last year. I've I've got one deer. I'm gonna I think I'm gonna chase, and I'm gonna try to get him on a bow before the season goes out. And uh, maybe we can get back up together and go on a bonus buck hunt if we're fortunate enough to have a season like we did last year. Well, here's the thing: we need to do it. Just go ahead and do a bonus buck hunt because even if we're not, even if we're not tagged out. We can still shoot. We can tag out on the bonus buck hunt. <laughs> hey, doesn't go to your uh, yearly tag. So, yep. yeah. Yep. All right, dude. Well, thanks for – hey, wait. Before we get off this, off of this, uh, we've been talking – we've been referencing your videos quite a bit. Where can people watch your videos and stuff? So, you can find my videos on YouTube at Southern Pursuit. Um, it's just – spell it out. It's really easy to see. Um, and then I've got Instagram, Facebook, uh, Southern Pursuit as well. I usually post the links in my bios there. You can find that. So that's really all I got. Like I said, guys, one of my favorite creators out there. Genuine dude. Uh, calls his dad Diddy. I mean, he's country's cornbread and uh, going out there and getting things done. So thanks for coming on the show, man. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. As always, a big shout out to all of our partners. That's Go Wild, Spartan Forge, Tethered, New Canoe, and Scree Gear. You can keep up with Southern Ground Hunting by following us on Facebook and Instagram, or you can subscribe to us on the YouTube channel. And make sure you check out southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch, hats, t-shirts, stickers, stuff like that. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode and we'll see you here again next week. Remember this, God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time.